This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Renition. I am joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best in the business. I mean that. People think I'm not serious when I say that. I am serious as a motherfucker. It's Devin Jackson. By the way, you have to mark the podcast as explicit. Look, uh, <laughs> like, like we talk about after every show, it's almost every time. Uh, we do a podcast, but no, seriously, I'm I'm doing pretty good today, man. Um, we're what less than two weeks away from Mobile now, or less than I should say Senior Bowl, not Mobile, because neither of us are going. But neither of us are going. Hey, 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 hey! One of us has gotten our credentials. Sure. I still haven't. I don't know why. I it I I know why it it, it listen. It's because I so. Behind the curtains, everyone else in the draft Twitter sphere applied for their credentials, got their credentials, and then asked to have those credentials made virtual. I applied, and then before I had heard back, emailed them to say that I wanted it virtually, which has basically put me at the end of the queue. Because there's not really much of a rush to get me there, because they know I'm not physically coming. Yeah. It, it all comes down to just really poor timing and execution on my part. Um, it won't factor into anything. I like Basically, the way it's been explained to me is because we know you're not coming down there, there's not as much of a rush. Like You're on our list for virtual. You are fine. But because everyone else has already gotten their credentials and then asked to have them converted to being virtual, whereas I did it beforehand, no, they just don't need to send me the same email. Uh, that's true. Like I'm already on there. They technically, they technically just deleted my th- my, my application. We're like, yeah, you're good. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but still excited. There's some late ads that, that have been happening. We can talk about that a little bit before we we get into the show. Uh, Cade Mays got added. Uh, so did uh, which we we let's talk about Cade Mays, the former Georgia kid who went to Tennessee. I bet you he's kicking himself right now, man. Bet she's kicking himself right now. A little bit. I mean, also, I, I could have swore he was like really, really old. Come to find out, he's actually only twenty-two. He just feels old because he's been exactly. all over the place. But he's been playing since his freshman season, so it makes sense. Um, I I didn't haven't gotten a chance to look at him, but but I definitely he's on he's on my watch list now. I don't know if he's you know where he's going to grade out as. I really haven't seen much people talk about him, but. Definitely going to take a look at him and see. Uh, last time I watched him, I thought he was one of those guys that had balance issues. Uh, you know, kind of the, the similar concerns to Evan Neal, but he's not nowhere near the, the, the athleticism. But, like, he was on the ground a lot, you know, trying to, you know, make blocks and, and be powerful. It's clear that he he has the size and, and skill set to, to be an NFL offensive lineman, but 
it's just about the technique and, and putting it all together. So definitely going to watch the Tennessee-Georgia game, Tennessee-Bama game, because uh, I think those are going to be the two big ones to watch for him, to evaluate him. Uh, but he's definitely on the list and someone I, I want to take a look at and uh, see just how he's gotten better or, or if he's gotten better since I last watched him a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Summer 2019, man. <laughs> yep. That's when he was with, with Georgia. So I watched him when, when he was in yeah. Georgia uniform. Um, again, was a guy that everyone expected for last year. So we kind of just wrote him off a little bit, kind of out of sight, out of mind. I'm interested to see how he did in a Tennessee offense that this year was not garbage. So there's that. Yeah, Josh Heupel had him playing well. Yeah. It's almost like Jeremy Pruitt just wasn't that great of a head coach. Yeah. Great defense of mine, not a good head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is actually in my neck of the woods, Devin. We got uh, JT Woods. No pun intended, actually. Um, no, the the other safety from, from Baylor. So ba- both of Baylor's safeties are going to be down in Mobile, Jalen Petrie and JT Woods. JT Woods was the ball hawk. He had six picks this year. Um He's definitely much more of your free ra- free running, you know, rangy safety, whereas Petrie's kind of that overhang slot, extra linebacker type of guy. Uh, I haven't done JT Woods' Z-Val yet, but he has definitely popped while I've been watching the other players. Uh, I mean, Jesus, dude is a ball hawk in every sense of the word, Devin, so... It'll be interesting to see how he does down there in Mobile. And Devin, I know this the, the other guy that got added is a brand guy for you. Granted, he plays football, so of course he's a brand guy for you. But why don't you tell me about the Southern offensive tackle? Yeah, so uh, I, I can't – I don't know why I always mess up his name, but uh, – Trying to trying to think what how to pronounce it. I think it's I think it's Jatir. Yeah, I think it's Jatiri or Jatir Carter. But uh the Southern left tackle. Uh he's someone I actually watched earlier in the season. Uh, because I was going through and, and seeing some of the top HBCU prospects uh before things got rolling. But I think he looked he, he looked really good from what I watched him. I watched him against the Jackson State game and, and he he really held his own in that one. And that's probably the one one game on the schedule that teams are going to look back at and see how he did, obviously, because they have a lot of talent over at Jackson State now. But uh, he did a really good job, um, you know, both in, in run and pass protection. Uh, pretty big, pretty uh, big dude. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how he kind of moves around, how well the position he plays. Because I, I think he can hang at tackle, but, but I do worry a little bit about the foot speed and, and being able to handle some speed rushers. Because, uh, he, I mean, he did at, at, at the level he played at, but he's going to have, uh, you know, quite a few edge rushers that they're going to be a tough matchups. So those one-on-ones are going to be very interesting for him. But at the very least, I do think uh, if he can't, uh, you know, necessarily handle a tackle, he can definitely do so at guard and, and can be a really uh, good zone blocking guard uh, at the very least. But uh, definitely looking forward to seeing him down there. Um, and got another HBCU offensive lineman there. So he's automatically a brand guy just for that. But uh, definitely looking forward to, to seeing him down there and see how he competes. Former Shrine Bowl guy. So, yeah. 
Man, I, I tell you, the Shrine Bowl and uh, the Cedar Bowl went head-to-head on uh, players this year, and and one definitely got the better of the other. Yeah. Well, it's really this... hard to compete with with, with what um, Jim Nagy's got going on down there, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to take some time to, to get where you want to be in, in anything, really. So... Um... You know, still gotta give the Shrine Bowl some credit. I mean, some of these dudes, they snatched up early. And it's just unfortunate that they couldn't keep him throughout the process. But if you look they at They got Brock. Yeah, they got Brock. They got our guy. That's uh, a win in my books. You, you look at some of the other guys they had. They had Troy Anderson, linebacker on Montana State. Uh, obviously, Carter. Um, they still got Pierre Strong, which is still... I, I think he should have been down at the Senior Bowl, in my opinion. Um, but they still got him... Um, trying to think of some other guys that are former Shrine guys. I think, I think J was JT was the Shrine guy first. Yep. I, yeah. So I mean, look, they're the Shrine Bowl is, is very clearly identifying and, and finding, um, you know, the the talent and the prospects that they need to find. It's just about you know finding a way to to make sure they stay throughout and, and don't get lured away. But it's hard. I mean, the Senior Bowl is is it's getting bigger every year. So Shrine Bulls is definitely uh, still growing and still still building. So I expect them to – this this won't be the last time we have uh, the battle of, of prospects at, at an all-star game. I'll tell you that. Oh, no, no, no. That I mean, it was ballsy of, of, of the Shrine Bowl to move to the same week. But, you know, it just – it has not quite gone in their favor yet. Uh, and who knows, maybe in, in, in future years that will come. Now, the last time that we talked, Devin, it was it was Declaration Day. So we needed to see who was in, who was out. Not a lot of news came out. Like, we, uh, we, we got a lot of the names we expected. Uh, Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman out of Tulsa. There's mixed reports as to whether or not he's in or out, I think, by the time... Uh, that this comes out the three-day uh, window to kind of change your mind uh, will have come and gone. But I'll tell you, Devin, the Sun Belt, they lost a g- one of their only prospects for this draft class because he's going back. It's Chase Bryce out of App State. I am so glad I don't have to watch Chase Bryce. I am so glad that I don't have to do it, Devin. Oh, you're, you're just delaying it a year. So, <laughs> nah, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, I, I feel it, man. It, there is uh, – it's not been great quarterback play for the Sun Belt for quite some time now. So. It's not a great quarterback class, period. I'm not even sure there are 10 guys in this class, man. Yeah, you're, you're going to be digging deep to find some some off-the-radar guys for sure. I mean, this might be the year you get a couple of FCS guys get selected just because. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I fully expect that we're going to see some FCS guys, like an Akeel Glass or mm. – um, uh, oh, isn't there one from, like, Brown in this year? Oh, class? yeah, yeah, yeah. Perry – I think Pete – no, it's – EJ Brown, I think, or EJ Perry. I think his name is EJ. Yeah, they, yeah. There's like some Ivy League guys. Like the the F the FBS is actually horribly represented in this year's class. It's not a good class at all. It really isn't. I'm not sure how many. Of the, by the way, I saw this on, on on Twitter yesterday where people were were laughing at our our, our buddy Ben Glassmeyer for having 
uh, a third round grade on Malik Willis. Like, oh, oh I think that was actually Nick. One of that was Nick. Yeah, that was Nick. But one of the two of them. If it was Nick and not Ben, I apologize for Nick. But oh well, you know, I bet you anything he goes before the third round. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you you don't know how grading works. That's <laughs> you clearly don't know how that works. Yeah, well, it's got, think... these are the same people. These will be the same people that will get pissy at us because we won't have thirty-two first-round grades. Well, you think about it, man. I've never had more than twenty-two. So you look the the grading is more for like. It's not. It does. It's not indicative of value because quarterbacks don't really get selected in the third round. It just doesn't really happen. You know, this is either first, second, or fourth. I mean, yeah, pretty least. much. Unless unless you're you're, you're the Vikings with Kellen Mond because yeah, he wasn't there. there. There's a few exceptions every year, and there's always like maybe one that goes in the third round. But it's first, second, or fourth for most of these quarterbacks, or then you sprinkle across the the last three rounds of, of day three. But let's be realistic here, man. Um, just because you, you don't look have at a... any of these quarterbacks and go first round, I... well, the, the thing is, it's, it's more for value of other prospects. Like you're mm-hmm. you're grading these guys to eventually put a put together a big board. You know, it's not for uh, say you know these going to go here. Like I think when it's clear to say in your report that while well, I have a third round grade on him. I expect him to go within like the first 50 picks or 60 mm-hmm. picks. I think that's very appropriate, you know, and, and it shouldn't be a thing where just because you don't slap a first round grade on a dude that has a, a ton of traits, but uh, it's still a project. I, I honestly think, you know, as long as you explain your process, it, it shouldn't be an issue basically. So for people that's, you know, out there saying like, well, I think he well. He, he's obviously going to go first round. We we don't know that. I mean, not only Willis, do we not know he's going to go first round, because I mean, I mean Willis could look. I and I I don't. I hope this doesn't happen. But say Willis has a week like uh, say last year, like a Jamie Newman had, or uh, one of those quarterbacks that were in the Senior Bowl last year. He went undrafted because he was terrible that week. Or so, let's say he bombs his pro day like uh, like Teddy Bridgewater back in the day. I mean, Teddy went from like consensus top 10 to 32nd overall pick because of a bad pro day. I mean, you think about it, 32nd, it, isn't it just it gives you the fifth year option on, on the yeah. 32nd pick? Yeah. Yeah. But you, you're not making top 10, top 15 money. So it's like, you know, it, that's a big difference. I mean, the Ravens have been able to do what they've done because they were literally on Lamar's rookie deal for a while. So mm-hmm. you got to think about you got to think about those things in terms of value. You, you I believe Willis is going to be valuable from 16 to 32 if you want in the first round because he's he's not going to make top 15 money. And oh, but Devin, I don't want Malik Willis in the first round. I don't want any of these quarterbacks in the first round. I'm just saying, I'm, gla- if you're I'm actually kind of glad take- Philly decided that, hey, Jalen Hurts is our guy for next year. Because if he sucks, then we just replace him with a much better quarterback class. And you think about it, you got him in the second round. So Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Great. You've now had two and a half years, Jalen. If it doesn't work out, great. Hey, this is a quarterback class in 2023. And you don't have to give him the fifth-year option either. Right? It just makes so much more sense. I'm, I'm actually, Philly's quarterback situation makes me a lot happier. I would hate to be a team that needs a quarterback this year. It's not good. It's not good in free agency. It's not good in, in uh, 
in, in the draft at all. And if you think about it, if you're trading for one of the big name quarterbacks, quote unquote, like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you're not going to have gonna... a first round pick for a couple of years. Exactly. So it's it's not a good situation if you uh, someone like Washington football team who desperately needs one, um, they're going to have to wager another year on on somebody they don't really want. To be honest, I think. Uh, but but I can also see them taking one at number eleven. Although I think their best option will be trading back in like the mid 15, 16 area. You still get a quarterback that you want. I guarantee it. Oh, uh, this has 2013 quarterback vibes, man. True. But I mean, there's a few guys that can, can actually be good. You just got to give them the right situation. Honestly, that's a big if I'm going to be completely honest with you, Devin. I'm not sure. I'm genuinely not sure. Somehow this manages to combine the 2013 class and the 2015 class. Because 2013, there was nothing at quarterback. There was absolutely nothing. The battle for QB1 came down to Ryan Nassib, Matt Barkley, Geno Smith, and EJ Manuel. And then Uh do you remember 2015 where there was like, it was Mariota and Winston, you know, uh, you know, going in the top two. And then there was a three-round drop between the next quarterbacks. I feel like we're gonna somehow get that, but like, there's no, there's no surefire top quarterback. Like Kenny Pickett is twenty-four, had one good season, and has really small hands. And Matt Corral love is is a big fan of giving the ball to the opposing team. And Malik Willis is a big fan of giving the ball to the opposing team. And Carson Strong has issues surrounding his, you know, the health of his knee. And Sam Howell is Baker Mayfield, which if you've watched Baker Mayfield in the NFL, it's probably not something you want to emulate. Desmond Ritter, I mean, at least no barns in the city of, uh, of uh, Cincinnati were harmed with his inaccuracy because that dude, that dude cannot throw an accurate pass to save his life. Yeah, I, mean, I, I exaggerate only a little bit with Desmond Ritter. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Desmond Ritter in twenty in 2019 and 2020 when he was being talked about as like a mid-round flyer that you could develop. Now there's first-round buzz with him, and I'm like, why? Why on earth are we doing this? The hype got out of control. I think my favorite quarterback in this class somehow, Devin, is, is either Caleb Ellaby or Skylar Thompson. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and, over the next and couple and months. My report on Thompson is on blue chip scouting. It's not exactly like I'm I'm all that high on Skylar Thompson. He's draftable. Like That's the best I can say about him. And he's still one of my favorites in this class. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a pick your poison class, man. It's, it's really depending on when you want a quarterback because there there's a whole bunch of different flavors out there uh, of quarterbacks. So we'll see what teams fall in love with, what they don't fall in love with, but um, there will probably be two to three quarterbacks that go in the first round. So Uh, I, you know what? I want this to be like 2013 and there's only one. It's not going to happen. I know. I know. And I hate it, Devin. I hate it. Honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so. I wouldn't be surprised if they went back to back to back. To be honest, because once that first one goes off the board, the next one 
trading up. We we both know what's gonna gonna happen on draft day. So, as soon as one of those quarterbacks go off the board, I guarantee that next one is coming off very soon. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about we'll talk about some prospects. In this break, I want to thank our friends over at Jersey House for sponsoring today's show. No one likes paying full price for jerseys, and thanks to Jersey House, you don't have to anymore. Jersey House has all your needs covered, whether you want an NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, or college jersey, or if you want a jersey for the European football, they've got it all. They also do custom jerseys and are always looking to add more players to their vast catalog. Head on over to jerseyhouse.ca and use the code BIGSHOTS to save 15% off your next order and help give back to the podcast. They ship anywhere in the world, and Devin and myself swear by their products. That's jerseyhouse.ca and the promo code Big Shots for 15% off. And we're back. So, and we're back. So, the roles are a little bit reversed from last time we did this, Devin, where you had like three or four guys you watched and I had done none. Now it's reversed. I have done five, six reports this week. I think, I think five. Uh, so let's start with possibly the most fun player in the entire class. That's Kenyon Green, the offensive lineman out of uh, out of Texas A&M. Big fan of his play. Currently, Blue Chip Scouting's number one overall player. I I I don't give a single solitary fuck what people think. Uh, he is my favorite player in this entire draft class. Like, and, and that includes Brock Hoffman. Like, he has actually surpassed Brock in terms of just fun. Because he's not gonna like that. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to apologize to Brock. Brock, don't break me in half, please. Uh, <laughs> but no, like Ken- Kenyon Green is everything we love about Brock Hoffman, but also the like elite athlete as well. Like mean streak for days. I had to go back and watch the, the Arkansas game where he just let that poor defensive back, man. That That is the play to summarize Kenyon Green with because he just, nope, nope. Guess what? You're going 35 yards and I'll let go of you when I feel like it. And I don't feel like it yet. He's here to do two things. Kick ass and chew bubblegum. He's all out of bubblegum. Uh, he had another one where just out on a, on a swing pass. Gets out. He's the lead blocker. Keeps the pile moving for the first down. And then he's all up in everyone's face talking an insane amount of crap. I loved it. Um, I, gave him a, I gave him a high first round grade. I'm going to give that right out. I know Dante don't yell at me. I truly think he's going to be one of the first 10 players taken. He's going. uh, All right. If we're looking at the offensive line class, Evan Neal is going to go top 10, right? Eka McQuanu is going to go top 10. Tyler Linderbaum may go top 10. Kenyon Green will probably go to actually Linderbaum may not because he's, he's purely a center. Whereas with green, he's got guard tackle flexibility. He's a guard that can play tackle. Those guys are valuable. Don't know if really he's going to play tackle much at the next level. I'd like him better as a guard. So there's four. Are five of the top ten going to be first-round picks? Because, like, I haven't gotten to Charles Cross yet for his final eval, but I have a feeling that he's going to be in that same realm as as Aquanu and uh, and Neil. 
Well, what I, do you I think, think about that? I think it depends on who's getting selected. You know, um, you know, I, I think it kind of depends on how the board shapes and, and how it's going and whatnot. Um, so I, I think, say, someone like an Evan Neal fell to like four or five or uh, say, you know, the first three, you're, three you're of the first. You're cutting out a bit. I, I'm having a. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Uh, say three of the first four defensive guys uh, are, are taken <clears throat> in, in the first four picks, like three out of the four picks are, are defensive guys. Then you could, could start to get some, uh, you know, kind of mindset changes in terms of some of the other teams that are drafting or you see someone uh, trade up. So, I mean, it's a possibility that five uh, offensive line could go in the first 10 picks uh, just really depends on how a team feels about a player. You know, if they fall in love with them during the process and, and feel like they're the team ahead of them, might take them, might see a few trade ups, might see pick swaps. You might you might see all types of things. I think this is the class. If you want to go and get your guy, uh, go and get him, especially at the offensive line position, because while there is a lot of depth in like the tackle and guard and center class, well, not necessarily the centers, but guard and tackles, there is quite a bit of depth. It's definitely a drop off after the first probably like five, six, seven guys, you know, it was, it was a significant drop off after that. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden you're settling for offensive linemen just because you need one, not because you want them. So I think this is, this is the class that you could see that. And I certainly think there's going to be five in the top 15, maybe even six. Yeah, definitely. Cause I think that when we look at the, at the way that the, the offensive line positions are, you know, the, the, the talent is spread out. You know, you've got the three at tackle right there. You've got Linderbaum. You've got Kenyon Green. And then it's like, well, who's going to be next after that? Is is it going to be a Darian Kennard out, out of Kentucky? Or is it, you know, who can play kind of tackle and guard? Or is it going to be Zion Johnson out of Boston College? Who's, you know, got an insane number of starts under his belt, has been highly productive, is one of the better grading offensive linemen in the class. So it, 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 it comes down to, like, those guys, I think. Or is the NFL really going to want to talk themselves into Trevor Penning? Which I still have yet to get there with him. I, I don't know why the, there, there's that much hype surrounding Penning. But, like, the offensive tackle class, once you get past, like, six, seven, eight guys, there's a drop-off. But, like, and I, I think that's going to create more um, – more demand to trade up. Whereas like, if you look at the edge class, I was listening to Dame Brugler yesterday. He was like, yeah, there's going to be 15 taken in the first like 75 to hundred picks. And he, like he was talking about like grading out the top 20 at the position and guys that were like 18, 19, he's going like, I, I, I thought I'd be higher on them, but then like, I can't put them any higher because they're, 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 they're that good. It's that deep. And like, I'm at, I'm at 16 edge rushers and all of them are graded in the first three rounds. Yep. This, this edge class is probably going to be historic. I mean, it has the board. It's the deepest I've ever seen it. And, and keep in mind, that's like 16, 17 that, you know, as we stand right now, are in my top 100 players. I have not gotten to jo- uh, Josh Pascal out of, out of Kentucky, Alex Wright out of UAB, Trayvon Walker out of, uh, out of Georgia, Logan Hall out of Houston. Those are all guys that are also talked about in that range. Yep. 
this is a year if you need stupidly deep position and and like there's guys like isaiah thomas from oklahoma where i'm finishing his eval this week and while i'm talking about isaiah thomas i'm I'm in the process of finishing nick benito who flew under a lot of radars because oklahoma wasn't on on national television as much as they normally have been but the dude increased on everything from two from 2020 bumped his sack numbers bumped his tfls increased his pressure rate the the one thing that i would say with nick benito that would make me hesitant to pick him in like the top 50 is he's not very position like scheme versatile he's six foot three he's 230 he has to be a three four outside linebacker there's really nothing else you can do with him like he's serviceable in pass coverage, but why would you want someone like that dropping back into coverage? You want them rushing, you know, head down, going to the quarterback. So you want him to put on a little bit of size, but is he going to lose some of that speed? Like he needs to be in, in a three, four. You cannot put him with his hand in the dirt. Yeah. I mean, and while I'm at, while I'm talking about Oklahoma, there's a lot of hype around the Oklahoma offensive lineman, Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson. And I, I do not understand. One got a, got a late, um, a, a late day three grade. The other is one of blue chips, lowest graded players. And I, I watched Tyree Robinson, uh, Tyrese Robinson this week. And it's very clear. He's not an offensive tackle. He doesn't have the size. He's six foot two. Okay, he's got short arms, which is going to limit him. But even when you move him in, inside, he's not really athletic. He's not an athlete. He's not someone that you can have on pull routes. And that's not valuable anymore in the NFL. If you're only able to just block in a foam booth and move forward, and you can't kick slide, and you, you're not good back, you know, on, you know, uh, you know, backing up when, when you're in pass pro, What's the NFL going to do with you? There's not good balance. There's not, you know, he's susceptible to holding calls because he grabs out wide. There's not a lot the NFL is going to value. So people are looking at him like, oh, well, you know, he didn't have good, good tape at tackle. But if you move him inside, then no, it, it's not always that simple. I know everyone likes to take off at the tackles, move them inside to guard. And this is a guard that had to be moved outside to tackle and showed exactly why he played guard in the first place. But there's not baseline athleticism, and there's no trait for him to bank on and say this is why I, you know, I belong in in the third, fourth, fifth round. There's nothing like that there. It's a it's a it's a short, small, short, you know, uh, offensive lineman with short arms that doesn't have a lot of athleticism, that has balance issues, and is susceptible to holding. Yep, not a good combo. Um, That's an and, awful combo, man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, like you said, it's not one of those things you can just move someone inside and expect some of those, uh, you know, deficiencies to go away. Uh, I mean, if you can't do certain things at tackle, that doesn't mean you can do them at guard. There needs to be some baseline there. And, and it's, it's understandable, uh, you know, a lot of people always have their discussions around tackles, you know, can they move inside the guard, you know, whatnot. If they have a good enough baseline, they're still a good player. Absolutely. You know, if they have no issues with 
still be able to block people. If, it, if they just can't handle speed rushers, then obviously, all right, move them to guard and move them in, in the interior. But if you're having trouble doing the, the you know, fundamental things, the basic things of playing any offensive line position, uh, it doesn't matter where you move them. They're still going to struggle wherever they are. Yeah. Uh, and then the last guy I got a chance to get some eyes on this week was uh, Mississippi State corner Martin Emerson. I think he's one of the best tackling corners in the class. Deion Sanders would absolutely despise Martin Anderson, uh, Martin Emerson. You know, every, that's the thing. My type of corner is the type of corner that would make Deion Sanders like keel over in the fetal position. I like corners that can tackle. I'm a bit like Bill Belichick in that regard. However, there's not a lot of straight line speed. And I think a lot of that comes with the fact that he's nearing six foot three. He's about 200, 205 pounds. The athleticism, not necessarily there. Incredibly physical, and I hate Mike Leach's defense that was being run at Mississippi State because it didn't allow him to be physical. You have a six-foot-three press corner, and you're not allowing him to jam receivers. Uh, you know, played mostly zone, uh, the, you know, sat off on, on routes, allowed the underneath route so he could come up and make a tackle. One career interception that came in his freshman year, uh, took a step back in terms of ball production this year, even with, with breaking up passes. But, you know, it's, it's that kind of boundary zone corner that has their back to the sideline, lets the ball come in front of them. I think it would have been a great fit in the kind of Legion of Boom uh, Seahawks, you know, cover one, cover three intense. I comped him to Byron Maxwell, who had a nice career for a couple of years, but just not very – scheme uh versatile and i think the one thing with um with emerson that's going to get him in trouble is because he's a little stiff hip he has like he can shoot forward to make a tackle easily but if he has to flip his hips and run he might get himself into trouble or if he has to be matched up against some speed like he was against alabama he's in trouble uh and i think that that's ultimately gonna cost him maybe around and because teams are one gonna realize if you run man coverage you, you you can't really have him out there all that often or if you like you cannot have him matched up on speed teams are going to pick him apart with speed yeah he's someone that i've heard some hype about uh i haven't sit down i actually watched him really haven't watched anyone in city state just yet obviously i get the charles cross as well but um you know i've heard mixed reviews about him, so definitely looking forward to watching him and and seeing where he kind of stacks up but Scoring class is going to be interesting. Starting to see some Andrew Booth, uh, DB1 uh, takes. Uh, you know, still seeing Stingley mixed in quite a bit there. Uh, seeing the thing, um, the thing with the Sauce Gardner as well as CB1. The thing with the corner class is like, obviously you you have the guys at the very top. You have your your Stingleys, your Booths, your cart, your Gardners, and then probably one of. Elam, McDuffie, or Roger McCreary. Then you have your guys like Darian Kendrick and Michael Wright, Martin Emerson. And then it's just a real big question mark. Where does Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati factor? Where does Elante Taylor from Tennessee factor in? Caleb Evans. Uh, where are all of those guys gonna, you know, going to sit in this class? Jermaine Waller out of Virginia Tech. Josh Job out of Alabama. Where do they project? Because yeah. that's it's going to be where is that third tier of corners? Well, also, some of them might be up to move to safety. 
Um, yeah, you know. I, I mean, Cam Taylor Britt being another one that that, that comes to mind. Uh, Josh Job, I think, could make this the transition to safety. The one that I have serious questions about is Jalen Armour Davis, the other Alabama corner, because I don't think anyone expected him to actually declare. Yeah, that was a surprise for sure. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of corners in this class, but um, it's really going to come down. Do you fit in the scheme? Uh, could you fit somewhere else in the scheme? Um, might move some down a nickel, might move some uh, to a completely different position. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a mixed bag uh, for sure in terms of uh, how these corner, how, how frequent these corners go and then, uh, you know, where they actually end up. Because, uh, I mean, the first, what, maybe seven, eight corners uh, have a chance to go, like, first, second round-ish. Obviously, the Roger McCreary and, and the first group of names I mentioned and uh, Darian Kendrick might, might make it in that list as well. Um, Kyer Elam, names like that. But once you get through those guys, you know, who, who's kind it's of It's a real big? mixed bag. So, like Cordell Flott and Marcus Jones. And where, where do you go with these guys? Yeah. How, like what's their ceiling that's true so it's, yeah. it's is there be anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here no i don't think so um gonna try and ramp up back here and, and get some some more guys done before the senior bowl starts uh the goal is to, to get finish up carson strong this week uh try to get uh caleb ella be done as well and then get some interior guys maybe uh snatch up kate mays and do that one uh, kind of get that one out the way and, and some other offensive linemen. Been uh, focusing a lot on, on some interior guys and quarterbacks to try to get those out the way because I know once I suck the receivers, I just want to keep going and going and going and going because there's so many dudes. Well, if you've got nothing else then, Devin, I think that this is the perfect place for us to wrap it. So until next time, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. You can find the show on Twitter at big shots pod, like subscribe, leave a review, all of that good stuff. Uh, help us climb the algorithms, follow our work at blue chip scouting, follow blue chip scouting at blue chip scout. And we will see you all on Monday. If you want to show your favorite podcast some love, may I suggest heading over to bluechipscouting.com and clicking on the merchandise tab and checking out the catalog of shirts, sweaters, stickers, and other gear available to you.